Money. I'm Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. All right, I have Kent Billingsley. He is the president, founder, and managing director of Global Leaders Organization, ITG, and TRGC. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. All right. Give us an idea what TRGC is, Global Leaders Organization is, GLO, and ITG is. Uh, yes. So uh, I'll start with the first one, uh, TRGC. That is the Revenue Growth Company. It's a, a business I started almost 17, 18 years ago to help um, CEOs scale their growth without spending more money. Um, ITG is actually uh, an interesting side business. It's intense glamping, and it's about air tents that are coming out of Europe and how to transform your camping, your family camping, to make it more exciting. Um, GLOW, Global Leaders Organization, is an organization that uh, is being run by Michelle Pacenti, and I'm actually a managing director, so all of the chairs around the country will eventually report to me as we build those out. So those are those are the three entities that I'm I'm growing and and, and working to uh, scale out. You've got a history very very steeped in in success with what you've done in the past in your history. Bring that out for us. Yeah, I uh, came to Dallas in 1982, and I was brought down here by a division of PepsiCo Frito Lay went through their management training programs and really enjoyed working for that company. I think that's a great company of products and all that. But then I kept hearing stories about Ross Perot, Ross Perot Sr. I was so intrigued. I said, I have to work for this guy. I'm not even sure what they do. And they're behind those uh, shrubs over there on Forest Lane. But uh, I, uh, I, 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 I literally called them up and said, I, I have to work for you guys. And I went in and I started interviewing and they said, no, you can't work here. You don't understand what we do. And I said, well, you have some amazing advanced training program that goes on for 13 months. You should be able to take somebody like me and turn them in to someone that can perform or be a leader for you guys. And so I hired on, uh, worked there about 13 years. I retired out of uh, uh, Hong Kong, where I lived for three years. And I was uh, chief marketing officer, chief strategy officer for all of Asia. We were about a billion dollar company, uh, I think close to 11,000 employees in 16 countries. Came back, helped build out a, a software firm called Micromuse under Greg Brown. Eventually, it was sold to IBM, and I was done, retired, and ready to uh, check out. But uh, several friends called me, CEOs, that said, hey, we've got these companies. Would you come look at them and help us understand how to scale and grow these businesses? So that, so that triggered a business, uh, the Revenue Growth Company, almost 20 years ago now, and I've been helping companies, several thousand around the world, hundreds and hundreds of companies here in Dallas. All right. Um, business growth versus revenue growth. Yeah. Describe that for us. Yeah, it's an interesting thing uh, that I find working with CEOs all over the world is they, they want to grow and they want to scale, but the, the problem they have is their thinking uh, or their thinking is limited. And, and what I mean by that is uh, they're thinking about business growth, which in most cases is adding more contracts, adding more employees, adding more services. It's addition to grow. The the problem with that is as you grow, you've added more infrastructure, you've added more headcount, you've added more headaches, you've added more uh, procedures and bureaucracy. Where I help them at first is right at the top to understand that revenue growth is different. Revenue growth is when you actually scale out from your assets 
when uh, you're producing more revenue per employee, uh, per store, per contract, per lead, per whatever is an asset that's part of your company, when we can scale and generate more revenue from each of those assets, we're actually getting growth, but it's much more profitable growth. So that's a big difference, and that that starts the transformation trail for companies to understand that, wow, I can have growth and I can have huge profitability. I can literally have not a bigger company, but a better company. So that that's really the difference, and that, that's a trigger point for literally every everyone running a company is to use that as a measurement and a metric and a transformation process. Each company is different, okay. but there has to be a central theme that you've come to find that runs right through the middle of that, that helps you get a better revenue growth with your company. Can, do you have anything on top of mind that you might be able to bring out about that? Yeah, and, and every company and every CEO, they always say, oh, we're different, we're unique, our models uh, like nobody else. And I said, yeah, you, you are at the end of the day, however your business. Every business, every entity, and I don't, I don't care whether you're a public or private or religious institution or a federal government agency, you still got to create demand for your products and services, and then you have to convert that demand into contracts, clients, and cash. Right. If you can't do that, you won't have a business, you won't have a company. In a lot of cases, you won't be able to lead an organization. So at the end of the day, every business is the same in that way, and you've got to be able to do those things. Now, where the failure point is or where the mistakes are made is, Companies try to do that, or CEOs try to do that by adding bodies, by mixing up their prices, usually lowering their prices. Uh, they try to do these things in the wrong way. At the end of the day, what's interesting is they need to look at their business as a system. And, and through a system, we can actually scale, we can repeat, we can be predictable, it's measurable, it's much more profitable than if we just add bodies to the equation or if we just lower our prices, which reduce the margins and the profitability. So the, the two things I want uh, CEOs to understand is, uh, first I wanna make sure we're gonna have revenue growth, not just business growth. The second thing is you have to say, do I have a system as the enterprise or how I market and sell, do I have a system to create demand and convert that demand? And in most cases, the answer is, no, there is no system. It's random acts of sales and marketing. People run around their heads cut off, throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. And if something sticks, they just throw more at the wall. It's the worst strategy you could have right. to grow a business. Yeah. So you help them structure that system and deliver it to a scalability point. Yeah. So so that's where the term that I, I trademarked and formed years ago, I call revenue growth architecture. And, and what it means is you actually now design your business to grow and scale. Almost all businesses are actually designed, when we get into the DNA, to deliver a product or service. And that becomes the focal point. And so they say, wow, for me to compete, for me to be successful, I have to have the best product in the world, or I have to have the most outstanding service. Well, everybody says that, and everybody has pretty good products and services. But what you really need to do is look at your business and say, I've designed it to do well and to produce, but I haven't designed it to actually make money. So now we have to look back and say, what's the architecture? Everything from culture to compensation, from structure to strategy, from process to people. We have to look at every part of the, of the enterprise and say, is that a system that helps create demand or convert demand, or are we just going through the motions hoping business will come to us? Got it. That's a good point. Um, fastest way to achieve scalability growth. Or scalable growth, excuse me. Yeah, and, and again, it, it's it's going through an assessment process, an audit and analysis to understand what parts of my system do I have in place that I could leverage or I could accelerate? What, what parts are in my system that are probably broken that need to be fixed? 
what, what parts of my system are actually missing that I need to go build? And then here's the hardest question of all for CEOs, and this is maybe the most critical question is, what should I stop doing that's not producing revenue and growth and profitability. In other words, what what could we stop doing that's not creating demand or converting demand? And if we stop that, and it, it's fascinating, I wanna give you a statistic real quick. 67% of sales and marketing activities are a complete waste of time, money, and resources. So you could cut two thirds right there, probably be more productive, and all that money can go right to the bottom line. It seems like it's such common sense. It hurts, stop doing it. But you, what I'm getting from you is maybe there's emotional attachment to it. Uh, yeah, and that gets into the part of why can't we change? Why can't we as leaders, why can't we bring transformation faster? Right. And, and, and the number one issue, there's about 22 reasons. The number one issue is that uh, we've had success doing it one way. We've had success old school. We've had success with transactional selling. Now we're trying to move that into complex selling. It doesn't work. But the fact that it, it worked in the past, we're hoping it'll work again in the future. But you know, it's like the, the boiled frog in the water that if you just keep turning up the water slow enough, the frog eventually boils and dies. That, that's the problem with transformation. And so it actually takes somebody from the outside that can not be caught up in the politics, not struck in the emotion of the business, an outside view to say, you know what, that's really great what you're doing. but that's not where superior practices are today that's not where most companies are today we need to work to get you back on the right path and sometimes that right path is do you look at your business as a system or do you look at it as people product and services the answer is always people products and services Got it. When we start to look at it as a system things start to change and I, I, I had a client one time they go can't, can't use the word system in my business I said great framework it's a framework to operate. It's how all of us can work together like a baseball or football team. We're inside a framework playing different roles and responsibilities. I'm just, my, my wheels are spinning while you can't <laughs> use the word system because it's so. <laughs> all right, we'll move on. <laughs> Biggest mistakes that CEOs make. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and I just got off the phone this morning with a CEO. He's trying to grow. And I said, walk me through some of your strategies. He said, well, I've, I've, I've hired several people. Some of them aren't working out. And, 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 and I really need, now I really need some salespeople. I probably need some more marketing people and things like that. And one of the biggest mistakes they make is they try to solve problems by, thro by throwing bodies at the wall. They, they try to solve problems by, you know, I'll just hire a great Michael, and Michael will come in here and fix everything. My, Michael will make everything right. Well, Michael is coming in and saying, I just want to work here and produce. I don't want to have to go fix the system. But now you're part of the system, and now you're stuck in the system, and now you get frustrated. You're not producing, and you'll get fired or you'll quit. And then we start rotating through bodies. But, but the most important thing we do is, again, we go back and say, is our company designed as a system to attract the best talent and allow those people to be successful? Again, the answer is almost always no. And, and, and a great example is in complex sales or when we're trying to build an enterprise sales organization is, are you sales ready? Do you have the culture, the compensation? Do you have the processes? Do you have the messaging and methodologies? Are all those things ready to actually attract top talent? If not, I'll tell you what you're gonna attract is somebody that can't find a job. Now we're throwing bodies, not talent, at the equation, hoping things will work out. They usually don't, and so we get a lot of turnover, we get a lot of frustration. And the saddest thing of all is that through that mistake, companies only experience incremental growth as opposed to optimized growth, which is meaning generating all the revenue, profit, and sales that you can and should from the resources that you have. 
Do you routinely find that the real gem in the portfolio of either products and services is often overlooked? In other words, if somebody's thinking about an exit strategy and they're looking down the road, that they're actually selling something that worked in the past, but the the real value, if somebody was to come in for an acquisition, is something that they may have overlooked. Do you find that happening when you get in there? A, a, a lot. Yeah, it's a great question. And and here's what I find actually working on a chapter in one of the books today about that subject is that we we move away or at some point in time we get enamored with our products and services and that's what we push and that's what we sell. Right. At the end of the day, and this, this will hurt a lot of people's feelings, is the market doesn't care about your products and services. They only care about the impact. They only care about the results. They only care about how things are going to be different. Yet we, we get caught in this trap of pushing our products and services, being that good vendor and, and trying to convince people, oh, I've got the best X in the world and you need to buy it because I have it, as opposed to saying, you, you know what? No, I, I've got to reframe the value proposition to where things are today, where things have evolved, so I stay relevant and I stay current. And, and a lot of companies miss that. How they started and where they started with what fundamental marketplace problem they were solving has probably evolved. And have they evolved with them? Again, the answer is usually no. And it, and it devalues their company um, and, and uh, it makes it harder to attract investors, per- buyers, and also talent to work for them. Ken, I learned a lot today. Thanks for being here. You, you bet. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Michael. Me too. All right, you've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.